Well, they just sort of stopped. The witch hunts, I mean. Salem may have been the peak of the madness when it came to hunting American witches, but it was not the end. More trouble followed. More elderly, eccentric, or just plain mean people in small communities throughout the colonies were accused of witchcraft. Some of them were placed on trial, a few were convicted, a few were hanged, and then it all just seemed to fade away, and the 17th century became the 18th in the American colonies. Matters more pressing took everyone's attention. War, droughts, religious conflicts, and revivals among them. There had also been seeds of doubt planted about the fairness of the witch trials. Many questioned the extraordinary ways they'd been conducted, the evidence that had been allowed, and the torture that had been used to extract confessions. Most admitted that they themselves would confess to just about anything if some of them was dumping them in a lake to see if they'd float. But just because the witch trials ended, it didn't mean the suspicion about some members of the community came to a halt. And it also didn't mean that witchcraft wasn't practiced anymore because folk magic and conjuring had never gone away. Welcome to American Hauntings, the podcast dedicated to the history, hauntings, and the dark side of American history. And welcome to our newest season, Woods and Fields, Dark and Wicked, which is hosted and produced by Cody Beck and written and performed by Troy Taylor. That's me. We have a long road ahead of us this season, traveling American forests, farms, and fields with tales of witchcraft and hexes, cults and curses, calamities and cannibalism, massacres and mysterious disappearances, and more magic, mayhem, sinners, and spirits than we've ever offered before. And this time, we'll take a jump ahead in history and see how the fear of witchcraft in America never really went away, and how the people of West Virginia discovered witch trouble in Booger Hole. No matter what may have been happening with the religious and civil authorities at the time, for the everyday folk, belief in witchcraft and its powers persisted. Such a belief rarely linked magic with the devil, though. Instead, people just accepted that certain men and women had powers and secret knowledge and were expected to be respected or feared, or more accurately, a little of both. These people were known as cunning men or wise women. They had existed before the times of the witch trials and had somehow survived during those persecutions. They were the practitioners of folk magic and healing that the Puritans had both hated and feared, and they continued to practice their craft in small towns and on farms throughout America. But don't misunderstand. Some of the cunning men and women had been tried and executed as witches, but they were, more often than not, able to avoid persecution thanks to the respect they held in communities where they provided valuable services. It's their survival that manages to provide the continuity between the modern day and the ancient practices of witchcraft tradition. But for many people, those who practice folk magic were not necessarily considered witches. Even though they were believed to have the same or similar occult powers as witches, it was thought by many that a witch used his or her powers for evil purposes, in league with the devil. 
In fact, one of the primary roles of those who engage in folk magic was to help people who had been cursed by witches. However, that is not to say that some people who are regarded as being among the cunning folk and technically practice good magic could not be regarded as evil by a minority. You gotta remember, when it comes to witchcraft, perception is everything. It should also be noted that despite surviving stories at the time, there were also more men than women among the cunning folk. The men generally practiced their craft as a second job in addition to their main employment, while for women, it was their only source of income. When it came to cunning or wise folk, men were often known as wizards and conjurers. Some even took the title doctor to make themselves seem more respectable. Many were also known as witch doctors, power doctors, and conjure folk. One of the main functions of the cunning folk was that of healer and fortune teller, as well as helping lift curses. Their advice was sought on matters of love, the crops and the harvest, poor health, finding lost treasure, and more. They might also provide herbal remedies, potions to remove warts, and good luck charms. The tools of a wise man or woman included crystals for scrying, divining rods for finding water, wands, knives, and books. Lots of books when books were not exactly common at the time. They had books on spells and rituals, and on tarot cards, astrology, and fortune-telling, too. The written word was thought to contain power, and magical books took on a supernatural power of their own, something we'll hear more about in the next episode. Well, as well as owning books, the cunning folk created their own books on a variety of subjects, including astrology, herbal medicine, and magical spells. Many also used books to record their practice, their ideas, and any useful information they gleaned out in the wild. But the most powerful book to most folk magic practitioners, especially those in the South and Appalachia, was the Bible. It was often used as a spell book of sorts. In Appalachia, the family Bible was used to record births, deaths, marriages, and other events. Important dates filled the blank pages inside, as would makeshift family trees, pictures, certificates, newspaper clippings, and locks of baby hair. This put the conjurer in touch with his or her ancestors, which was essential in the workings of folk magic. But the Bible was also used to provide power when its words were spoken or written, like the so-called blood verse, which is Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 6, and it goes, and when I passed by thee and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, when thou was in thy blood, live. This was a verse that was used to stop bleeding in both man and beast. A verse from John was often used when baking bread. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. Or there was a verse from Joel that was recited while cooking. Yea, the Lord will answer and say unto his people, Behold, I send you corn, wine, and oil, and ye shall be satisfied therewith. They might also rub oil on stiff joints when reciting Proverbs chapter 16, verse 24. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Well, based on the Bible or not, though, folk magic could be used to stop pain and cause it too. It didn't always go by the biblical idea of being kind to your neighbor. It was more aligned with the concept of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. 
Spells for protection and curses used everything from rainwater to moonshine, tobacco juice, graveyard dirt, red clay, silver, roots, herbs, bones, candles, bottles, knots, poppet dolls, and all manner of written charms and spells. Folk magic may have been carried to America by immigrants, but when it arrived here, it became a purely American type of witchcraft. And that's likely why it's stuck around for as long as it has and how it's managed to get some people into trouble. In 1900, Booger Hole was a remote settlement in the wooded hills of Clay County, West Virginia. It was a secluded, isolated spot, and its name advertised it as a spooky and haunted place. Now, unless you're a sixth grader, a booger is a menacing supernatural being, like a giant or a monster, that's seen at night in wild places. Booger Hole was known for a ghostly woman who wandered the woods and fields, dressed all in white with hair as black as a raven's wing. She was known for wailing and crying in the darkness, and no man was ever known to look upon her face. So you can stop snickering. It's that kind of booger or boogeyman, not the other kind of booger that comes from another kind of hole. Anyway, back to the story. The population had deep Irish and Scottish roots and little contact with the outside world. It had a reputation as a rough and lawless place with a long history of poverty, poor education, and intermarriage. Their stories were filled with tales of haunts and spooks, as well as the very real presence of witches and witchcraft, even during what most would consider the modern world of the early 20th century. To the hill folk of the region, bad witches enjoyed stealing milk and preventing butter from churning. They also took the shape of animals and birds and caused illness and death among members of the community. Locals protected themselves by nailing crosses of hazelwood on their homes and barns to ward off the effects of bad witches. They also hired witch doctors to break the spells of the evil witches, and they used many techniques, but especially popular was the making of a beeswax image or poppet of the suspected witch, covering in a cloth worn by the suspect and then burning or driving nails into it. Or at least that's what someone did with the poppet of Annie Boggs. Annie Boggs was a member of a large extended family that had already been in Booger Hole for several generations. The Boggs, along with the Moors, the Cottrell, Lyons, and McCumber families had been scratching out a living from farming, hunting, and timber for at least a century. Some had improved themselves to respectable status while others remained dirt poor. Schooling was deemed unnecessary and illiteracy was almost a badge of honor. But it would be the death of Annie Boggs that would curse those families for decades to come. Annie Boggs returned to Booger Hole to settle in 1899. She was a widow and brought with her two granddaughters, Prudy, age 18, and Mabel, age two. Annie was given a place to live by a relative, Squire Boggs, one of the more successful men in the area. A few years earlier, he had built a schoolhouse to educate local children, but few of the parents were interested. By the late 1890s, it was abandoned, so Annie and her granddaughters moved in. They put thick blankets over the windows and started a garden of corn, vegetables, and herbs. 
With help from Squire Boggs, they made it through their first winter and settled into the community. Unfortunately, Annie made enemies right away. Her plan had been to offer her services as a healer and a conjurer, but her personality made that difficult. She was independent, sharp-tongued, and hard to get along with. Always remember, when it comes to witchcraft, perception is everything. In the spring, rumors circulated that Mother Boggs was a witch. The rumors seemed to have started among members of the Cottrell family who had heard from relatives in Roan County that Annie had been kicked out of there because of witchcraft. Local misfortunes began to be blamed on Annie. Among the most vocal of her accusers was Marshall Cottrell, who accused her of riding him at night like a horse. In other words, her spirit was forcing him out of bed and making him run up and down the surrounding hills. Well, as things got more heated, there was talk of lynching Annie, but cooler heads prevailed, at first anyway, and a conjurer was hired to try and block Annie's spells against members of the community. A poppet was made and a pen was driven into the wax figure's back. And then on a cold winter's night in 1900, someone pulled aside one of the blankets that covered the window at the schoolhouse, poked a rifle through, and shot Annie Boggs in the back. A murder investigation was started by Deputy U.S. Marshal Daniel Cunningham, one of the most renowned lawmen in the state. He found the tracks of two people outside Annie's window, and his analysis of the bullet that killed Annie revealed the kind of rifle used to kill her. It turned out that Marshal Cottrell had borrowed just such a rifle from a neighbor a few days before. Well, that was enough to get Cottrell and his nephew, a young man who had been courting Annie's granddaughter, Prudy, arrested on suspicion of murder. They were taken to the Clay County Courthouse for a hearing and the courtroom was packed with Cottrell supporters from Booger Hole. They were ordered to leave the guns and rifles they'd brought with them outside under guard because the authorities feared a disturbance. Cottrell and his nephew pleaded not guilty to the murder, but couldn't be swayed from the idea that Annie was a witch. The courtroom was filled with outspoken relatives who agreed. Cottrell swore that Annie had ridden him night after night, making him run up Blue Knob and even lifting him off the ground and making him fly. Cottrell claimed that he flew, quote, through the wind and rain and cold, not knowing what minute lightning would hit us. At this part in his testimony, a woman in the crowd called out, you can't be stricken by lightning when you're being witch-ridden. Lightning don't hit witch horses. Then another woman yelled, I wouldn't tell anything about it. It's mighty unwholesome to be talking so much about the witch folk, even if she's dead. Now, I'm, I'm guessing there were a lot of courtroom rules in West Virginia in 1900. Anyway, Cottrell kept talking anyway, describing how Annie had ridden him and how he'd woken up every morning with scratches from briars on his feet and burrs stuck in his clothing. He said he'd been ridden 20 or 30 times and his nephew, well, he claimed the same thing. Under questioning, Cottrell said that he had not tried to kill Annie Boggs. Don't you know she'd have killed me if I had, he asked the judge. Despite his claims of innocence, the hostility that Cottrell expressed toward Annie was an obvious motive for murder. The judge had no choice but to indict him and have him brought to trial, but in the end, the trial never happened. With no actual proof against Cottrell, the case against him was dropped. So the killer of Annie Boggs was never legally punished for what he did, but, well, the story's not quite over yet. In February 1905, a neighbor of Annie Boggs was arrested after confessing to Annie's murder. He said he'd done it with the help of two female accomplices, his sister and her friend. 
Fred Moore had been 15 at the time and had been living with his sister Rosa and her husband John Lyons. According to Fred, he'd killed Annie because she'd threatened to reveal her knowledge of another murder in the community, which she'd learned because she was a witch. Apparently, Annie had gotten into a quarrel with Rosa Lyons and in anger had threatened Fred's sister by saying, quote, she could light her pipe and before it burned out, go to the place where the ashes of Henry Argus were. A few days later, she was dead. Now, the story of Henry Hargis is a little complicated. He was the nephew of a woman named Margaret Moore, whose husband had been a volunteer in the Union Army during the Civil War. Margaret had managed to convince the War Department that her husband had been an officer, not simply a soldier, and received a fraudulent pension of several thousand dollars. Before she was arrested and imprisoned for fraud, she gave the money to Henry Hargis who was then murdered for it by John Lyons and Margaret's son, James Moore. Well, Henry had disappeared from his home in Booger Hole in 1883. He was rumored to have been murdered, but no one was arrested and his body was never found. Well, following the arrest of Fred Moore and Rosa Lyons for the murder of Annie Boggs, a detective named A.W. Sell conducted a search and found clear evidence of a grave under the Moore's cabin. The body had been burned, but bits of bone, hair, and clothing remained. One button even had Henry Hargis's initials on it. Well, John Lyons and James Moore were arrested, but somehow, lost in the shuffle, Fred and Rosa were set free for Annie's murder. A judge decided the confession didn't hold up. To make matters worse, Lyons and Moore were also set free. Even though Moore's sister, Carolyn, testified she'd seen Hargis's body wrapped up in a sheet before it was burned and buried, the judge decided there was not enough evidence to indict the two men for a murder that had happened more than 20 years before. And the killers of Henry Hargis became as free as the man who may or may not have killed Annie Boggs. So was Annie murdered because she was a witch or because she knew too much about a murder that she should have kept her mouth shut about? And did she learn about the murder for the reason Fred Moore believed that she divined it using her conjuring skills? Well, that's going to remain as mysterious as the real identity of Annie's killer. Fred Moore may have pulled the trigger, but to many who lived in Booger Hole, it was a pen shoved through the back of Annie's poppet that truly led to her demise. Magic and murder sometimes went hand in hand in West Virginia in the early 1900s, but it wasn't just there. As we'll see in our next episode, hex magic became a method of murder in Pennsylvania around the same time. You'll hear all about it in two weeks, but in the meantime, make sure you don't find any wax dolls lying around wearing any of your old clothes, just in case. Have you ever wanted to learn a new language? And I don't mean like spells or incantations to trap spirits, you weirdos. I mean like a new language that could help you start communicating with more people on this plane today. Then I need to tell you about Rosetta Stone. Look, you know the brand, you know the name. They have the expertise and a 30-year legacy, which makes them more qualified than ever to help you learn a new language today. They've helped millions of people build the fluency and confidence to speak new languages. Now, this is the part where Troy would tell me that I made some kind of grammatical error, but he's not here right now, so like, I don't know, let's like speak in tongues. 
Rosetta Stone focuses on speaking practice for real-life scenarios to get you ready for real conversations with real people. Or maybe you can even learn how to use some different types of Ouija boards. I don't know. Either way, Rosetta Stone can help you learn faster and retain your new language better. Honestly, Rosetta Stone really would have come in handy for season four of New Orleans because I know we butchered some of those French names and I apologize once again. Now you all know I have a nine to five job when I'm not at the podcast factory and Rosetta Stone actually helped me not make a total fool out of myself while I was in Brazil interviewing celebrities. Obrigado. And now I want to help you. So don't put off learning that new language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, American Hauntings podcast listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today today. Rosetta Stone, how language is learned. Wait, by the way, Troy, like where do words come from? Hey, no, don't, 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 don't walk away. Oh, Troy, where do words Why is it square then? I just refilled. No, it is. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> I found Wait the a bottle. minute. <laughs> Somebody else making square bottles that don't fit in your cup holders now? So. I know, right? That's why that one was in my backpack because it won't fit in the freaking yeah. cup holder. All right. <clears throat> Those are our hot takes on water. All right. Thanks for tuning into the American Hauntings podcast, the show where we discuss history, hauntings, legends, lore, and the dark side of American history. We are now in season six of the podcast. Woods, Woods and fields, fields dark, dark and wicked. wicked. Okay, all right. There you go. I'm your co-host, and with me is my co-host, author, historian, crime buff, the founder of American Hauntings, and a man with a very deep voice when Not he really. wants it, Troy <laughs> Taylor. Hey. I think what I need to do is we need to record this right when I wake up, and I haven't like <laughs> really cleared my throat. Yeah, I haven't out had yet. a good clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah right? exactly. That'd be just <laughs> just, just for that part. Sound absolutely yeah. horrible. Uh, anyway, what's going on, man? How's, how's life? Oh, good, good. Things going pretty well. So. Yeah. Yeah, I've been staying busy. I've been having a lot of people on the uh, Winter River Road tours that, you know, a guy came up to me like last night and said, I know this is going to sound weird, but um, you're the last voice I hear at night and the first voice I hear in the morning. Oh, uh, boy. Yeah, you're right. That does sound creepy. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, so I, I got a lot of that last night. We had a bachelorette party as part of the tour. Oh. And a bunch of more like, oh, yeah, we listen to the podcast. It helps us go to sleep. And I'm like, oh, damn it. So, yeah. Well, I know, you know, it's sleep uh, aid. Apparently it's something soothing, I've been told. So I, I don't know about that, but I'm glad that. I'm glad it works for people. That reminds me. I was uh, thinking about it on the way here. Um, I was watching a, a Family Guy episode and Quagmire's trying to sleep. And he's like, damn it, where's that white noise machine? And he turns it on and it's just like people screaming and stuff <laughs> in the background. And he's like, ah, okay, we're good. Yeah, it's like, yeah. so, Which is kind of what this would be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, just terrible stories. Mm -hmm. yes, our fans are freaks, I guess. <laughs> oh, the best man. way possible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of freaks and fans and things going on, what else? 
uh, you well, got going? My new book came out. I'm looking uh, at it right now. In between uh, our last episodes. Yes. Uh, One Dark Night is out and available now. Mad Gassers, Black Ghosts, America's Sinister Strangers. It is as weird as it sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, honestly, it was probably the most fun I have had writing a book in years. Really? I mean, I, I enjoy writing all of them or I wouldn't do what I do. But right. I had so much fun writing this book. And I was... Well, it was that. Remember, we were at Dead of Winter, and somebody said, "What's your favorite book?" Mm-hmm. And I said, "Well, whatever it is I'm working on at the time." Yeah. And while I am not, I am I am on another project now because I mean, you know, I can't I'll let the dust still. settle yeah. Yeah. before the next one. But I, um, but I look back and think of how much fun that book was, and I think I'm going to feel that way for a long time. But so it's it's got a different look to it, it than does. the other books that I've done. Um, cause it's just a completely different kind of book and hopefully people will like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they will. Uh, yeah. I've had a lot of people eagerly anticipating its arrival. So that's been nice. Um, so I guess they'll let me know what they think. Yeah. Hopefully. It looks really cool. So, I like, yeah. yeah, the covers different stands out. Yeah. Yeah. It does. For sure. Yeah, it does. Well, that's awesome. Thanks. Um, what do you got as far as events well, we we're well, done we're done with the, dead of winter i know so, dead of winter's over great. the conference is still coming up um the only uh, it's a good news and bad news kind of thing mm-hmm. it's gonna be a really great year for the conference the bad news is we're down to like the last 50 tickets oh man i mean it is really filled up early this year mm-hmm. which is not a bad thing um for us only well not for yeah, right exactly but for people who like to procrastinate it's a bad thing uh-huh. so um if you're hoping to go and i know i've been saying this all along and it always sounds like when the tickets go on sale that i'm just you know you know doing a carnival barker yeah, thing on my yeah, own yeah. deal but honestly it's it's not not this year people are really anxious i mean every event we do is filling up mm-hmm. i mean not just the conference i mean everything we do we're selling out everything get out of their people want to get out of the house yeah. and do stuff so it's been, you know, really fun to have these really nice crowds for we some of the nicest people we've ever had on a river road tour last night. But people want to get out and do stuff. Yeah, it's cold, but it's warm on the bus, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, it's almost March. It's <laughs> going to be by the time people hear this, it will be March. And, right. you know, it's not going to be cold for much longer. We've already you know? had some warm days. We too, have. Suspiciously we have. Warm. Yeah. And I've got several. We've got several things in March coming up, like two river road tours, a uh, well, a dinner um, on like sinister hauntings, like evil hauntings, oh. and then you know a St. Louis exorcism uncensored dinner, and you know everything will fill up before it gets here. It's just that's what's been happening. Mm-hmm. So not a bad thing. It's a great thing, and it's been really nice to get to see. I mean, you know, we had people coming last year, but it's I really feel like that we're, you know, much closer to back to normal than we've been in. Right. <laughs> a couple right. of years, right? So Yeah, yeah. People are just going for yeah, it. Yeah. Um and speaking of people going for it and the events that we had, we um <laughs> some of our listener reviews are talking about attending Dead of Winter. Oh. Okay. So this one is just titled <laughs> good. Great and it's from Ice Sue. It says just attended the Dead of Winter event, had a great time, enjoyed the live taping of the podcast, and of course seeing you both in person. Our group did the Mineral Springs Night Tour and Investigation. Thoroughly enjoyed seeing all the spooky places you've talked about in past episodes. No, we didn't see any ghosts, but we did smell all the sweet perfume in one of the halls, so we're taking hmm. that as a win for our first time as ghost hunters. <laughs> Looking forward to this season, of course, next year's Dead of Winter. Um, that's awesome. I'm glad they had a good yeah. time. Um, I haven't, it was, a, it was a good time and I don't think we've talked to, well, obviously we haven't talked about it, but we had so much food. So I mean, I many posted, tables and oh. so I put, po- yeah, we ended up like four tables full and it was all on the floor and everything. And 
I posted the way the van looked when they came to pick everything up. It was filled to the ceiling. Yeah. I mean, it was there was nothing else going to fit in that van. He had it even up in the front seat with him. That's awesome. Just to try to get everything back to the food bank. And it wasn't so. just all canned goods. That, no, like, there was it was a lot, a of, lot of good variety and... of stuff this year, which was really great. It worked out great. You know, the coffee shop was great. The, you know, it, it just was the, the separate vendor room, all the things we promised. I feel like we, we did them and it yep. wasn't incredibly cold this year so that yeah. helped too it's the the wind that'll get you uh -huh. as they say in the midwest and everywhere else but yeah yeah it was a good time it was great to meet so many people mm -hmm. um take pictures of people you know help people download podcast apps and troy <laughs> yeah. volunteered me to do that yeah, but see people. look at all the the interaction you got that's true that. i'm sure our numbers skyrocketed after <laughs> after troy just whoring out my services like that but i was happy to help and uh yeah anything to get more people to listen this uh, last review is titled Great Podcast. It's from Disneyland Donna, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, what a great podcast. It's so interesting. I must listen. I love your shows. The live show is great. You guys do such a great job, and I love how your banter is, too. Never stop. Always so happy seeing your podcast come up on my phone. Uh, you're not annoying at all. I don't believe that, but hang in there. Uh, you have a big audience that loves you, and thanks again, Donna. So thank you so much. Um, yeah, I had a couple people that <laughs> who I talked to. And uh, one of them was actually uh, was Jennifer, who ha we had we answered her question first, mm -hmm. and you kind of called out like, "Are you in the audience?" Yes, and yes. she and her daughter were there talking to me later about the shirts. Um, she has the "Home is Where the Haunt Is" shirt, mm -hmm. and saying how she loves it. And her daughter, uh, she said, "She's like, yeah, my mom didn't really like you at first. She was one of the ones that kind of came <laughs> around later. She's like, yeah, but now, now you're great." And she's like, "You know what? I'll I'll take it as a win. Uh, yeah, right? Anybody exactly. I could win over." Um, so yeah, it was basically a lot of that. People loving Troy, and then people saying, "I didn't like you at first. <laughs> But now that I met you in person. Oh, there's plenty of people hate my guts. So it's I, true. I, yeah, we have plenty of those too. Oh, man. Well, are you ready to dive sure, into man. this? Yeah. So I've titled this part The End of the Witch Hunts. So you yeah. said the witch hunts just sort of stopped, meaning the trials ended, but that doesn't mean there was the end of like, sus like suspicions and witchcraft being mm -hmm. practiced. You're going to talk about later, but it's all about perception, as you'd say. Yeah. And I think something is we've kind of seen before when people get preoccupied with things like wars or famines or other yeah. things, they yeah. stop kind of pursuing other dumb yeah. things. Yeah. The, the, the trivial stuff just seems to fall by the wayside. Sure. Yeah. You know. Yes. Yes. And then the beliefs in witchcraft, you mentioned that they persisted, but people didn't necessarily link magic with the, the devil. And and that's something I wanted to talk about, because beforehand, it seemed like we were exclusively talking about witchcraft and that was very much associated. Right. You're talking about things that are different types of folk magic healing mm -hmm. practices. And right. stuff. Would, would this right. be something like thinking back to like tribal shaman kind of thing, like starting way all, back there? Yeah, I think it would all fall in that same kind of category. Um, but, you know, the, the thing with, you know, the witches had been around forever mm -hmm. and, but normally they were what more, what we were focused on in this mm -hmm. episode. Yeah. Um, all this stuff with the devil and stuff that came out of the Spanish inquisition and okay. the Puritan witch hunts in England, all that stuff is really what led to, you know, um, the witch trials in the United States. They mm -hmm. just brought all that stuff with them. And when they got here, they just continued the traditions they already had of, mm -hmm. you know, you must be signing the devil's, you know, book and, you know, that kind of stuff. The traditional, what you think of as, as old witchcraft stories, mm -hmm. I guess, you know, the old crone around the, you know, around the pot, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the, out of uh, what Macbeth or Hamlet or whatever that was. 
Uh, Macbeth, I guess. But it's it, so you know, that's that's kind of the standard that people had for witches. But that's not what witches really were. Mm-hmm. Um, and really using even using the term witch is something that most people I mean, it's now been sort of embraced in modern society mm-hmm. now since the like the 1950s and 60s. Yeah. Since the revival of the old ways kind of thing that started and became Wicca, mm-hmm. you know, they'll, they'll call themselves witches, but back at the time period we're talking about here in this episode, it's, you know, it's cunning men, yes. wise women, the cunning folk, I like you that, know, um, and, and they are, you know, they are some of the, the, the men call themselves witch doctors or power doctors and things. And really it was more about healing. Mm-hmm. It's more about healing. It was about herbs and, and things. And yes, they would sell you a love potion to give to whoever you're in love with or yeah, some kind of mat. But see, I guess that, you know, it gets into that whole thing of if you believe it's going to work, there's a, you're, it's the power of positive thinking. Sure. You know, yeah. you can, you can make things happen if you think about them hard enough. I mean, that's not, that's not witchcraft. That's not anything. Books about I mean, that's, that now. Yeah, They're exactly. Still that's, and... Now that's self-help. But at the time, that wasn't a normal thing. And so when you, but but now they had something tangible to hold on to, a, a potion or an mm-hmm. herb or an amulet or a token of some kind. And you know, by using that and, and putting their belief system behind it, a you know, their their, their good fortune, they would manifest, as they say now, you know, positive things. Right. So right. that's really what that boiled down to. And, and again, they were doing doctoring, midwives, that kind of thing, back when, you know, there weren't really any good doctors. I mean, there was just no medical science. Right, so, right. You know, that was a long way from being discovered. And so, you know, they had potions that would help your headache and things. And they're not, po- they're not magic potions. They're just presented that way. Yeah. You know, so... I guess you could sell them for an extra nickel, you know, sure. if it was magic. Yeah, so. yeah, cocaine for a toothache yeah, kind when of you, thing. Yeah, <laughs> when you use this potion, say this spell and your headache will go away. Okay, really? And it's they're just giving you something that cures your headache. Exactly, yeah. And you're, you're talking about how one of the main functions was that of a healer. But you also talked about like fortune tellers helping lift curses. Sure. And using things like crystals and uh, wands, books, tarot cards. So basically tons of people in this building right well, now right, where exactly. we are. Exactly, in, in yeah, Springs. at the Mineral Springs. But, you know, and, and again, it falls into that same thing. If you come to a, you know, a, a power doctor or a conjurer and you say, listen, I've got uh, this witch has put a spell on me. And I, I, you know, I feel terrible all the time. I'm really sick. And I know it's because someone has bewitched me. Okay, well, here, use this and this will lift the curse. Well, of course it will, because you believe that it will. Right. So, and again, it's the same kind of thing. That sympathetic magic, mm-hmm. you know, if manifesting things to happen, I mean, it's, it's a legitimate thing. Yeah. I'm not going to call it a science because it's a, you know, it's a belief in it. Right. And that's what makes it work. But it does work. Yeah, so you get to the same end result. You just kind of maybe science takes sure. one route and another exactly. takes another. Exactly. Yeah, and you something you also mentioned about these people is often um, that I thought was just really fascinating was creating their own books and um, especially like the the family Bible thing. But I actually this morning before I um, came here, I got up and I went to the store and I bought like a new notebook because I always fill up a ton of notebooks. Mm-hmm. But something I'd never really thought of was like why not like put pictures in there sure. or other newspaper clippings yeah. or yeah. draw more in them or yeah. things like that, but make them more like should living, become a breathing. Scrapbooker. I should. <laughs> Why not? My mom knits and stuff. I can do scrapbooking. Um, I thought that was really cool because I, I've seen, um, even my, my father had one of these and I've seen in other people's houses, like Bibles mm-hmm. filled with a bunch of stuff. Sure. And, and so is that the, where, is that where that notion of like who gets the family Bible yeah. kind of came from? Yeah. And it's, you know, and, and so a lot of these, 
you know, practitioners would, you know, who did, as I said, had a lot of books at a time when books weren't that common, mm -hmm. especially in areas where a lot of this was popular. We're talking about the Appalachians and, you know, rural areas. Yeah. But they needed these books because they had information and books were power and a family Bible put you in touch with your ancestors, mm -hmm. which is a big part of root magic and, and, and conjuring and folk magic. And, um, yeah, it's, 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 like I said, it's locks of hair, it's pictures, it's mm -hmm. newspaper clippings about the family obituaries. You know, the, a lot of the, have you ever seen any of those great big old Bibles yeah. that, that have like an entire section in them for your family tree mm. and to keep track of all the weddings and all the funerals. And that was a really, I don't think it's as common as it used to be. I'm sure it is in some areas, but um, that used to be something that everybody did. Yeah. I didn't, you know, I, I can remember cleaning out like um, elderly, an elderly aunt's house who had died and we were getting all the stuff out of it. And um, I mean, not only was she kind of a loon because she'd hid like silver dollars everywhere <laughs> and we'd find them in books and I mean, just crazy stuff. Yeah, but yeah. Um, she also had a lot of really neat old stuff that she'd saved, but she had one of these gigantic family Bibles that had been passed along from her parents to, you know, from parents to parents to parents and people keep track of all that stuff. Yeah. So it's really interesting. I mean, it's a sense. really cool time capsule of a family, Yeah. Um, which wouldn't mean a whole lot to other people, but when they're your own family and your own ancestors, you know, and you're a practitioner of folk magic, that's something pretty cool to have. Yeah. Yeah. It so. seems like it'd be a very powerful exactly. artifact or something. Uh, all right. Let's talk about this place. You've already said that <laughs> unless you're in sixth grade, it's not funny to say. It's still kind of funny. It is still kind of funny. It's still kind of gross. I wanted to, I know, but I needed to get that out there that booger was not yes. what we think of as boogers. So, right. And well, I think just combining it with hole also just. Yeah, it's not. I know. Hole. It didn't help. It does, I know. It, it doesn't, doesn't help. help. But you know what? It was a different time and it is what it is. And here, here we are. And I don't think they called what you pick out of your nose a booger back then so i mean obviously they were using booger to explain right ghostly things especially down in this area yeah yeah, yeah west yeah. virginia but which was also it was a term i had not heard for that before oh, really? and then you know when like i saw boogeyman well Same right and so that that made sense but yeah. when i saw it initially pop up on the outline you gave me i was like oh, <laughs> like we're gonna what have to we we're gonna about? have to address this i know it. I'm that's why i wrote like it into the thing i couldn't I couldn't not yeah. write it into the, the you know the monologue. Yeah, so. and it's, and I was reading the monologue too, and it was talking about like unless you're in sixth grade, and I was like, I, does he know that I are, have already been laughing? <laughs> well, I was already laughing time? about okay, it too. Okay, so you know, so 1900, a remote settlement in West Virginia. Uh, you already mentioned what what the term means. Of uh, the place is known for a ghostly woman who wandered the woods and fields, dressed in white with dark hair. Have I told you that if I ever write a memoir? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have different chapters, of course. Um, they'll all be hilarious. But the one about relationships, I think, is going to be titled Medusa, Mermaids, and Other Women I'd Let Kill Me. And I, this sounds kind of like one of, those, one of those people that would fall into that category. Um, it had a reputation as a rough, lawless place. And, you know, what do you do when there's trouble in a place like this? You take matters into your own hands. Sure. One way to fight off witches and things like that, you said, is to make a beeswax image or pop it of the suspected witch and burn it or drive nails into it. It's like like a voodoo doll. Sure, it is a lot like a voodoo doll. It's the same, same idea behind it. Um, you know, that you can, you know, it's a, it's a talisman magic. Talisman. Where it's, there you if go. you have a piece of somebody, their hair or some of their clothing or something, mm -hmm. and you attach it to your doll or dress it, you know, use the hair. And, and there's, when you get into like voodoo stuff, there's a lot more things they ask for. And, and normally I think this is all kind of like, 
I don't know. It's the same kind of magic we've been talking about. To me, it seems like that if for the, in order for something like this to work, mm -hmm. the person would need to know that you had the doll. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, in all honesty, if someone told you that they had your hair and they'd made a voodoo doll of you. Yeah. Um, it's creepy. I think it would creep me it's out. Across the line. You know, I know. And then if they're like... I'm stabbing it right now. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God, what is, is that? that, that pain is that what that pain in my back is? You know, mm. so it makes me think <laughs> of the show on Nickelodeon, Hey Arnold, a lot more differently because Helga G. Pataki had that shrine of Arnold from like old gum and stuff yeah, that he chewed right, his hair. Oh right. man. Now I, I can't even look back on that. Yeah, it's, it's oh that's horrible. Really disturbing now, huh? Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't like it. Um <laughs> And okay, so uh, like I said, one way to kind of fight them off is, is to have those things. And this is what someone did to one Annie Boggs. And the Boggs were a large family that had been in town for generations who, from my understanding, what you said is they kind of like worked with other families. Yeah. Like yeah. The community, like within yeah, the they were a little bit. Well, they were a little bit more, um, they had a little more money than, than the rest of them did. Um, you know, he had worked as, as kind of like a justice of the peace, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the patriarch of the family, but right. there were other families that had been living in that area for, that I listed there for several generations, but most of them were farmers or, you know, worked with timber and things, but, um, they had tried to be respectable. You know, the Squire Boggs had built, um, a schoolhouse mm -hmm. that no one wanted to use, right. you know, because it just in 1900 in rural, very rural mountainous West Virginia, it seemed unnecessary to have an education Should for I boys or girls. Farm and eat or yeah, learn exactly. how to read this book? Exactly. Like, or yeah. learned how to read this book. Yeah. And so a schoolhouse was just seen as non-essential, which is why she moved into it when she came back. And we don't know why she came back to the area. We don't even know. I couldn't find any information mm -hmm. about where she had been or anything, but she came back with granddaughters. Yes. And, you know, in very difference in age, mm -hmm. an 18 year old and a two year old. Yeah. And immediately starts kind of, kind of pissing people off. Yeah. Yeah. She's a healer, a conjurer with a sharp tongue and was hard to get along with. Which as we know, yeah. is the, uh, all signs that you must be a witch yes. if you piss people off. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, that was our entire witch hunt thing was going, and you, so you're looking at me going, okay, so when is there like magic? Well, there isn't any because they just made people mad. Yeah. So they accused them of being witches because they could get rid of them and get their property. I That's pretty much what happened. I here. wanted to see someone turn somebody into I know, a newt. I know, I know, I <laughs> know, but not, it's just not happening. Not happening, but you know, it did happen. Local misfortunes, things like that get blamed mm -hmm. on Annie. Um, Marshall... Cottrell um, accused her of riding him at night like a horse. I know. And when I read this, my, I know. my, my first thing. I know, you snickered. Well, I was oh. just like, most guys would love some cowgirl, <laughs> reverse right, cowgirl right. at night. No, it is not like that. Not like that. So the guy's just worn out from just running up and down those mm -hmm. hills and bogs and everything. Uh, they talk about lynching her, but decide to try another conjurer and a poppet first. Let's be reasonable here. Right, right. You know, let's, let's see if we can get rid of her, the, you know, fight fire with fire. Right, kind of right. Like I said, cooler heads prevailed, and uh, which I mean... Yeah. Is, I'm glad for a little bit. Yeah, they um, didn't lynch her. Yeah, they didn't lynch her. Uh, didn't, they didn't, shot her instead. They shot so. her instead in, in, in the, the schoolhouse through the window. Murder investigation started by Deputy U.S. Marshal Daniel Cunningham, who you kind of alluded to. Is he like a badass kind he of He was, and, and I actually found quite a bit of history about him um, that I didn't, it, it was not in any way related to this story, so I didn't include all of it. But yeah, he had brought in a lot of um, a pretty bad 
guys, yeah. you know, in the, around the area. So he was pretty well known, but it, it, it sidetracked the whole story. So I I'm so very surprised and proud of you because I know how much you love to talk about I know. a badass I do. woman. I do. Uh, so, so he ends up eventually arresting Marshall Cottrell and his nephew. They wouldn't fess up to the murder, but they definitely went all in on <laughs> about, Annie being a witch. About Annie, yeah. But no. you said people in the courtroom, you know, there were different kind of rules and regulations and stuff back then, but people no, just, not they couldn't seem to agree on the rules of a witch horse riding regarding lightning oh, yeah, and I things. Know, right? And I love right. people arguing about, they can't, somebody's got to be sitting there in the I background. I like, like how people are just, fuck? I mean, I really, I'm, re I'm, I'm reading through this and I've really, it's in newspaper stuff and I'm reading it and I just love how the people are just shouting things out in the courtroom and I'm thinking, order? Well, of course, they did have to make everyone leave all their guns outside. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I guess that was something, but then they've got to, yeah, why did no one object to women <laughs> shouting things about witches in the courtroom? Right. To me, that seemed like a little bit of a, prejudicial information for a case. Yeah. I mean, it really just made them look guilty. Sure, you know, sure. So. <laughs> sure. And you said it, it appeared that the hostility Cotrell expressed toward Annie was enough of a motive to at least indict him, but the case is eventually dropped. No yeah. one's ever convicted of a murder. But the story's not over yet. This is the part where I said the plot thickens, but, right, but right. nothing really happens. No, not really. I know. February 1905, a neighbor, uh, John Lyons, confessed to the murder of Annie Boggs, stating that she was going to reveal knowledge of another murder. She appeared to have knowledge about the death of one Henry Hargis. Yeah. So this, Turns this, out it had nothing to do with yeah, witchcraft. Yeah, so this yeah. took me a second, but so let me see if I get this right. Henry's the nephew of Margaret Moore, whose husband was in the Union Army. She had convinced the War Department that he was an officer so she could get more of his pension mm -hmm. money. She eventually gets caught up. She decides to give the money to Henry who's killed by John Lyons and Margaret's son, James Moore. Right, who, who didn't get the money. Okay, yeah, right, She didn't right. give it to her son, she gave it to her nephew uh -huh, instead, okay. and so that caused a lot of hard feelings. Got it. So he got his buddy John Lyons to go and help him kill this guy. Well, right. then she, Annie mentions to his wife, mm -hmm. to John's wife, or I'm sorry, yeah, John Lyons' wife, that she could go walk over and get that body anytime she mm -hmm. wanted to in the time that it would take her it's for curious. her pipe to go out. Yeah. So she knew where they buried the body, mm -hmm. and that's why that's why she was murdered. Got it. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, it all comes together then. Uh, and eventually everyone ends up going free for all, yeah. the, all the murders. Yeah, no kidding. No one goes to jail at all. So. Uh, why do you think they came forward and confessed to this? Did you find like Well, he, was, he confessed to it. But then they decided that the confession wasn't wasn't valid. Right, right. And then so then they even had somebody who testified that she had seen uh, that she'd seen Hargis's body mm -hmm. and before they In burned the it and buried and stuff, it. Yeah. And they didn't they didn't um, go to trial on that either because it was just hearsay. They decided. But do you know why he finally decided to fess up? Though, I have or no there, idea. There was nothing about no that. No idea. I don't know if the guilt got to him after 20 I, I years guess, or maybe, what. Or, or maybe it was witchcraft. So. <laughs> maybe it was witchcraft. Um, and so, okay, so it's kind of the simplest. Do you think the Occam's razor here thing about who killed Annie, why, yeah. and how? I don't, I don't really think it was because she was a witch. I mean, I think that, I think Marshall Cottrell was an illiterate hillbilly mm -hmm. who really, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm going to guess there's more to that story. Yeah. There's I, I mean, I, I honestly don't think he really believed that she had ridden him like a horse through the hills. Mm -hmm. I think he was trying to make a point that Sounds he believed good. she was a witch. <laughs> And that was something that witches were known to do okay. to people. I mean, that's my only guess. Why, I don't know, other than he 
probably had some sort of disagreement with her mm -hmm. over property or money or something. Yeah. And, you know, you accuse people of being a witch. I mean, that right. was the way it worked. Standard procedure. And so the more he's this, his confessions about, you know, being ridden like a horse is no different than the people making confessions at Salem. Yeah, yeah. You know, in the episode before, you know. So sure. I think that, you know, it was he was jumping on the hysteria mm -hmm. that was going on and it sounded good at the time. Right. Because he, you know, swore he didn't kill her, you know, but did he? No, probably not. I'm sure the other guy did and killed yeah. her because she knew too much. Okay, that's that's fair so. enough. I, I was trying to think like my last question for this is And believe it or not, I have Streamline this so it's not so complicated. Yeah, yeah. I'm not kidding. I've, okay, yeah. that's good. Because it's a, it was, it was getting to be a really complicated story, and so I'm kind of going through it, going, okay, how how do I cut through all this crap? Yeah, and lay out this story so that it tells the story but makes sense. Well, so this is a, a little work with this one. No, I, yeah. well, I appreciate it because yeah. I eventually... This was really getting deep with all the names. And well, I'm like, you, who? When you oh, got, wait a minute. Who was this guy? When you, know? you got to Henry Hargis and stuff, I finally, mm -hmm. I pulled out a notebook, but then I was like, wait, uh, looking at the outline, I was like, there's not that much more left here. So I'm right. glad that you did that because right. I was yeah, starting I to get a little... I really had to. A little confused too. Yeah, after a freaking Velisca and the lips <laughs> I know, and right? And, yeah, we oh. didn't need another one of those. The last question I have is, um, I don't want to say this is a fun story, but is this just a fun story or was there anything you took away from this? Or like, what do we learn from this? Like, well, I, Don't I be a smart ass if people I, can I, kill you? I or? guess. I, I, you know, I, I looked at it as this was sort of a... I mean, it's 1900. And it's, but it's one of the last stories like this that I could track down of someone who was persecuted the way that she was because they believed she was a witch. Mm. And then this was not that different from the era of the witch trials. It just happened to be, you know, 150 years later kind yeah. of thing, you know? Okay. So um, it was really sort of the, the end. Of, it, was, it was a story I found that, I, that was kind of cool way to close out this section of the uh -huh. podcast because we do have some more things about magic and witchcraft but as far as your traditional witches this was kind of the end got it for me at least it's you know stuff i found okay so okay no fair enough yeah. I, I was just i was trying to figure out i was like what is he trying to teach me <laughs> but now i get it and that makes sense well and then the way i ended it too if you find any wax dolls laying around with your old clothes worry yes know? oh my god that's gonna be a great prank i can play on you sometime in the future maybe i'll wait another season till maybe you forget about this one and then i'll just have one set up or i'll start working on it now uh, or i could auction it off at the um at the conference or something oh, okay so many yeah, ideas huh? I'll, I'll stop spitballing yeah. in real time uh but i'd like to give a couple shout outs to our latest patreon subscribers as we talk about all the time it helps the show sound better yes. helps keep us going and keep us doing what we're doing so thank you for supporting the show uh, to megan jack julie valerie andy kelly nathan and Discworld god who <laughs> you better be good if you're if that's that's what you're saying but thank you so much for supporting the show you can find that at patreon.com slash american hauntings and it is now time for our ghostwriter segment if you have a question or comment about the world of the macabre, you can email us at American Hauntings Podcast at gmail.com or you can hit us up on socials and all that stuff. But I do want to say I've turned off my Twitter notifications and I don't mean to ignore people. It's <laughs> yeah, just, I've noticed that, it's such a I hate uh, that app so much oh, that do you? when I get on there. But I, I am going to go through and start responding because I, I clicked today and it said like 20 plus and I, <laughs> I was like, oh, damn it. Yeah, I'll see. I'll see you respond to something that I like tagged you in like two weeks ago i know like, dude re really on the ball here. i just i hate that <laughs> app so i'm on instagram a hundred times a day but twitter i'm always oh, yeah. it's such a 
Oh, it can it can be a bad place if you it don't is curate a, it correctly. Yes, it is a it is a, a world of chaos. Yes, it especially is. now. Yeah, it is. But uh, anyway, but yes, yeah, so, you know what? Just email me, uh, americanautispodcast@gmail.com. <laughs> this uh, email comes to us from Kayla. The subject is obsessed. She says, "I've never been so obsessed with a podcast." <laughs> oh boy, um, <laughs> I've probably listened to every episode at least three times. Okay, someone check on Kayla. Uh, my favorites are the horror movie reviews. They're so much fun. I have a running list of my phone, um, on my phone of movies to watch um, recommended by the two of you. So thank you. I listen while I work out, when I'm in the car, while I cook, pretty much always. I'm a mother of two, so when I'm listening, the kids know mom is having her, her time. Haha. <laughs> uh, love the latest episode on the Salem Witch Trials. Agree with Troy. Salem is a wonderful place to visit, and they do things very respectfully mm-hmm. while still being a tourist hub. I could go on forever, but thank you for what you do. See you at dinner and spirits events soon. Seven-hour drive making a road trip out with uh, with my best friend can't wait cool damn yeah nice. well thanks kayla yeah that's all super nice and um i have podcasts like that too where i put on like just know, headphones and i just kind of go like while i'm cooking and it's just like it's like i, I have friends yeah <laughs> like, I, I know it I, I i turn it on all the time if i'm if i'm getting up and and i'm going you know getting ready to to uh, turn down the bed, brush my teeth and stuff, mm-hmm. and I've been watching TV. I'll take I'll turn a podcast on. Yeah, listen to it for ten minutes. Yeah, turn it off again. So. I I was doing the same thing. Like uh, so, yesterday was Friday, and so I went out and party. No, I didn't. I stayed home and did like four yeah. loads of laundry. Yeah, and I noticed that I would I had a little portable speaker at one point while I was like in taking a shower, and then later I had my AirPods in, mm-hmm. and then when I'd go to the laundry place, and then later I had just on my phone, and then I was like cooking, and then I'd go to Netflix and come back, and I was like, damn, I'm just kind of bouncing all over <laughs> yeah, with the right. same couple podcasts they weren't even new they were ones i'd heard before too and it just comfort like it is yeah comforting thing i guess it's the same reason that people use stuff that they like to go to sleep to go to sleep you know i guess it's the same thing we should look into getting on like that calm app or something or one of those things where just read stories about people being murdered yeah where like like, there's like matthew mcconaughey and them are on there but it could be troy reading like um (laughs) one dark night you know or something like that oh well that's all i got man that's the kind of wraps up some of the more standard witchy stuff all right cool well thanks for listening guys um we hope as as always we ask you to share this with your friends leave us a review on itunes it always helps people People see the show. Um, I did want to mention too that I didn't mention earlier when I was talking about all of our different events that if you go to dinnerandspirits.com, mm-hmm. you can find all those events. Um, and, and again, I also want to remind everybody that uh, when you buy books from us, from AmericanHauntings.net, um, use the podcast discount code. So you get 10% off. All you got to do is, is in the promo code section, put in the word podcast. You'll automatically get 10% just for being a listener. So it's like we're paying you to listen. It's so you're making it's money. It's a free podcast. You're making money by doing yeah, it. It's so, like good business decision. Exactly. Exactly. So anyway, guys, thanks a lot. And uh, we will see you in two weeks with uh, an episode that I'm really excited about. So All it's, right. a, it's a good one. You weren't excited about this one? No, I was. I okay. love this one. This <laughs> okay. was a, this, I loved this episode. I've really dug these episodes in this season. Awesome. All right. Well, this episode of the American Hauntings podcast was written by Troy Taylor and it was produced and edited by me, Cody Beck. Music for this season Thank is God. performed by Packy Lundholm. you didn't Lundholm. want me doing it, that's for sure. <laughs> and you don't want me writing it. Yeah. <laughs> and you can find more about his music. That's Packy Lundholm's music uh, at uh, upcoming shows on Twitter, Instagram, Bandcamp, SoundCloud, and Facebook. 
And you can find us in most of those places too. Plus you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. You can also rate us now on Spotify. Oh, can That's you? a thing. Oh, and is it? Yeah. Well, what happened to everybody was going to quit Spotify? No one did. Oh, yeah. yeah I guess that passed. I guess that's over. Yeah. Uh, you can see the website at AmericanHonningsPodcast.com. Yeah. Yeah. For more info about the show, notes, photos, links. Is that up to date? And more. Keeping that up to date? Yeah. Just checking? Mm-hmm. Yep. No, you no, no. Check I, your I, Twitter stuff, I know. So. I know. I know. Yeah. You got to. Well, just checking. Also, after um, after Dead of Winter, somebody told me that the only way that they get the show is to download it straight from the website and really? then put it on his cities, put it on flash drives and shared it with other people. And I was like, okay, now I have to make sure I keep like this. Oh, if this yeah, is how yeah, he's right, listening, right, like right. I gotta do yeah, it. Good point. Um, so yeah, so uh, I, I, I'll be more on top of that and I, I will dive back into Twitter. It's just overwhelming. Oh, no, sometimes. it's okay. I mean, I, I'm not, you know, I just think it's funny. It and is. I'll go, Oh, Cody like this post. I'm like, the hell? I mean, it was like two weeks ago, man. <laughs> I know. I need to just get on my laptop and do it too, because I think on my phone it's just like it over, is. It's it is kind of convenient to do stuff on your actual computer, mm-hmm. but on the other hand, it's something I can do when I'm just watching trash. TV, I know, I know. You know, and, and I got you know Chicago Fire on. You you don't have to pay attention to that. <laughs> it's the same show every week. Yeah, yeah, you get it. Literally a soap opera with firemen, but um, I can be scrolling through right, you know, right. Stuff, no, you know, I get so it. So it's kind of handy for that i get it i'm it's, i'm entertained by the vitriol that is taking the chaos, place yeah. on twitter so oh well thanks for listening thanks for tweeting oh, whatever yeah. uh, sorry we yeah. we guess we weren't done were we we're not quite we couldn't okay. and probably wouldn't definitely wouldn't <laughs> do it without you so until next time goodbye so long guys see you later bye all right that was fun yeah that'll be not very long 35 minutes, I think it's perfect. Once we clean this up, it'll be about an hour. Yeah, not even an hour.